This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Previously on Ex-Wives Undercover. Amber was served a restraining order by Ben. Within weeks, Amber drives up from Oregon and stays with me, and I attend court with her. Of course, Ben was shocked. I asked the judge to speak and informed her that Sydney had a restraining order against her father. Therefore, Ben had no rights or any say in anything involving my child. Thankfully, the order was dropped. Next, I get a message from Dee, who informs me about a post she had made in a single mom's Facebook group, which led to yet another victim of Ben's coming forward. And last, but certainly not least, who could forget the incident regarding Ben at the Bothell Municipal Courthouse. Ben was taken down to the ground, handcuffed, and restrained. Thankfully, after a police officer's testimony, Ben was charged with two counts of violating the domestic violence no-contact order and was immediately found guilty. Welcome to Ex-Wives Undercover. Liars, cheaters, and love cons. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. First we told our story, and now we're sharing all of your craziest and most heart-wrenching stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. And sometimes we cry. But more importantly... We stand together. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. The views, information, or opinions expressed on our show by our guests are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests may change at any time. Our podcast and YouTube show may at times cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to suicide, abuse, violence. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Season 2, Episode 4, Guilty. After the incident at the Bothell Courthouse took place, I can only assume that Ben's attorney advised him that it was time for him to finally take a plea deal. Three months later, my husband Chris and I attended Ben's final hearing where he pled guilty to two counts of domestic violence violations. Amber and I had both submitted our victim's impact statement to the court. Amber was unable to attend the hearing that day to read her statement aloud, but we were told that the judge would read it before sentencing Ben. Amber's victim impact statement reads as follows. My name is Amber, and I am the wife of Ben Jamison. I would like to take this opportunity to explain to you what he has put me through and how his actions have impacted my life. Under normal circumstances, February 14th is supposed to be a time of love. But for me, Valentine's Day will forever be marred with nightmares of being held captive in my soon-to-be ex-husband's home while he pulled out a knife threatening to kill himself and two others. And while he denies the events that took place that night, I know better. I chose to speak up and tell the truth when the police officers called me that night, and I would do it again. Ben Jamison may look like a normal member of our community, but he is not. He is a sick and dangerous man who suffers from a cluster B personality disorder. 
These people lack remorse, have problems with anger management, compulsively lie and make impulsive decisions. He also has a long criminal history of multiple women having to get restraining orders from him. I could have been quiet and cover for him like so many women who experience domestic violence. I have seen him get out of control during the five years I spent with him, but I have never seen him more crazed and scary than that night. And the fact is, I couldn't live with myself if he hurt or killed someone and I didn't speak up. Since this all happened, I have felt even more victimized than ever. It's like I'm being punished for telling the truth. I've been called a liar by Mr. Jameson, and I've been called crazy and psycho. He's created fake emails from me and submitted them to the court to discredit my character, and the list goes on. I had to start taking anxiety and antidepressant medication as a result of the stress and trauma he's caused me. I've experienced debilitating panic attacks, and I'm not able to concentrate to even work. My performance has suffered. I've also had to miss a lot of work driving from my home in Oregon to attend multiple court dates. I've moved to a new home. I've changed my phone number and email address and even live in a different state. I still feel unsafe and I'm scared every day not knowing what he will do next. He has put spyware and mirroring software on various women's phones so he can stalk them. I bought a new phone for that very reason, but the anxiety is still there. I have to look over my shoulder wherever I go. The very thought of him getting his ankle monitoring bracelet removed makes me tremble in fear. He knows where my parents live. He knows where my sister lives. Who will protect us when he loses control? And it's not if, but when he loses control. Mr. Jamison is on a downward spiral, and it's only a matter of time before he really does hurt and or kill someone. I fear that this plea deal is just a slap on the wrist and he will continue to wreak havoc on those around him. In fact, without any repercussions, I feel he'll be more energized than ever to seek revenge on myself and the other victims. Mr. Jameson is very savvy and he knows how to work the court system in his favor. He's been getting away with lying and manipulating for most of his life and will continue to do so. Your Honor, I'm begging for you to consider my statement when making your decision on this matter. Thank you, Amber. The week leading up to the hearing, I was still uncertain if I had the strength and the courage to read my statement aloud to the judge. After the events that transpired the last time we were in that courtroom, I was afraid that I wouldn't even be able to physically walk through the front door. The night before Ben's sentencing, I finally made the decision that I would read my statement aloud to the court. I wouldn't allow Ben to silence me ever again. I just felt like I wanted to lay it all out there because that judge gets to make the final decision whether he wants to completely accept the plea deal or if he wants to adjust it and make any additional um, changes or provisions to it. And so I wanted his attorney to hear everything he had done in the man that he was representing. And I wanted the judge to hear it. Um, And so I said everything, everything that was probably like, more appropriate for like the family law case. I still said it. <laughs> and he stared at me. He was mean mugging me the entire time. Did he have an opportunity to speak? Yes. At all? Did he and say it's, anything? It's in the recording. He did. Uh-huh. Oh, I don't even know if I want to know. No, he's offered the right to speak and he's, he declines it. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He can't defend himself. He did all of those things. Wait till you hear it, girl. And oh my gosh. He pleads guilty to your case and my case, and he has to say the words. 
My name is Athena Nazarian. I believe it is important that the court understand the person they are dealing with. I ask the court to please not only look closely at the facts of this case, but to look deeper into his actions and how he's using the legal system in court to punish me continuously for this current domestic violence case. I have heard his attorney state numerous times that this is really about a family law case, but in fact, this is quite the opposite. It has been over four months and I've spent approximately $20,000 on attorney fees trying to defend myself from his false accusations and protect my young innocent daughter from him. Even when the ju judge rules in my favor, Mr. Johnson continues to file falsified claims against me, restraining orders against me. And even after he loses, he files for an appeal so that he can make me spend more money on attorney fees and miss more work. I am pleading with the court and helping to protect my daughter to help protect my family from his obsessive revenge against me. All of the money I'm spending to protect my daughter should go towards my counseling for her, making our family's life better and even towards future college costs. Mr. Johnson should have repercussions for abusing the legal system in order to abuse me. After I was done speaking, the judge thanked me and I began walking back towards my seat. The police officer standing in the back of the courtroom nodded at me with warm smiles as I walked past them. Those men had witnessed so much of what Amber and I had gone through. In that moment, I felt so much gratitude for these men. Officers were staying in the back and a lot of them I recognized from all of our stuff. They smiled at me and they just kind of nodded at me and um, I nodded back and I was trying not to feel teary, but I just felt such a release in a way. And I had that moment prior when Ben and I's relationship had ended, the marriage had ended, and it was just so much to go through. So it was over, you kind of like feel that like once a little bit of time has passed. And I had had to worry about being in this so-called marital or yeah. you know, maybe domestic relationship like you guys had, like you've probably felt in your release going through it, but I was still roped in and tied in emotionally with myself and the abuse that way and then with Sydney. And so hearing myself say all those things, it was, shocking it was it was like wow like i am a survivor you're a survivor and sydney's a survivor and that was just a i mean i just touched on a handful of things that wasn't everything yeah but then i thought to myself damn we've been through so much and we are still standing and did you feel like a sense of i don't know i guess that was sort of closure or so I thought. And that, you know, when they said you get a five-year no contact order, it really did nothing <laughs> as we know. Yeah. So at that moment, did you feel like, okay, everything's going to be great. And no, it's all put to rest. And um, I, I guess I was naive to think that, oh my gosh, finally it's done and we'll just go on and I know. he'll be gone and he'll leave us alone. And then I realized that there's no weight with a no contact order. So yeah. all of that, that pleading guilty meant nothing. I was grateful for the way things turned out. I was hopeful for what I thought could happen afterwards, but I knew better than to believe that a piece of paper would stop him from continuing to mm -hmm. just do things in the background to, to disrupt our lives. So let's talk about the officers real quick. Yeah. Shout out, shout out Bob yeah. PD. Yes. Um, they were great. 
you know, that feeling you get when you're nervous and you're driving your car and like, for whatever reason, like there's a police officer near you, you know, yes, you always, yes. we, follow, we follow the law. We're kind of good at getting that way. Like we're rule followers, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you still always like get a little nervous. Right. Um, and so for the first time in my life, I think the Baltimore PD for the most part made me, I really like them. <laughs> they were great. But like I was saying, they've always just been really upfront and kind and honest. And although I knew this wasn't the end of Ben, at least this was a good start. The pain and devastation of Ben's constant abuse for the past 15 years towards Amber and I had finally caught up to him. Ben pled guilty to two counts of DV violations, and I was there to witness it all. All right, and uh, good morning. You're welcome to be seated, by the way. You're not required to say anything, but this is the BRP. You need to address the court. If there's anything you want to get off your chest, anything you want me to know about you or the situation. Here is your honor. I'm okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I won't hold that against you. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to decide you want So, as to uh, count one, no contact order violations with the domestic violence designation, how do you plead? Sure. And as to count two, the no contact order violations with the PD designation? Sure. Okay. Court is going to accept both guilty pleas. For the record, I find that they're made knowingly, voluntarily, and intelligently. Mr. Johnson needs to understand the consequences of his change of speech. And, uh, did you feel like you won that day? Is it what you wanted? Did you want him to take the plea um, deal? Did you want him to have jail? Like, did you feel satisfied? I'd, so I loved that he had to listen to the words I had to say and he couldn't interrupt me. And you know that his biggest thing is his pride and his ego. Yes. And so being able to say everything during my victim impact statement, um, that itself was kind of gratifying. And then for me, hearing him plead guilty twice and saying the words, that was very gratifying. So I knew that it wasn't over, but I also knew that was a huge step. And I knew that it's a paper trail. It's a beginning to a really, really good paper trail. So I was satisfied. Wait, I take that back. I was not satisfied. And I don't know if you remember this because we listened to this, but after reading, after listening to my, my statement and reading yours, the judge ruled that he had to continue to wear his ankle monitor. Then, then during that, his um, attorney got to speak and made this uh, very just subtle speech about how he's paid his dues, he shouldn't have to wear anymore. And then the judge so lightly goes, okay, that's fine, he doesn't have to. Do you remember that? And we were like, seriously? Really? Yeah, I know. So it's, then he got his, nothing then surprised he got, me at this point. It was just, off, And yeah. he came and keyed my car at my work the next day. Yeah. It was awesome. And then you can't prove it. You know, yeah. it's him. It's so oh, he, he keeps, he's keeping my car. Oh, That's yeah. what he does for everything it was worth. Like it was a start. It's the farthest I've ever come in a positive way with yeah. the legal system. So I just want it to be over at that point. And I was kind of naive Me to think too. that it was going to be over. We, we had high hopes. We thought jail. Time. I know. Still percolating in the background during all this drama with Ben was my ongoing divorce that still wasn't buttoned up. You would think it would be a simple slam dunk. We had no children, no house, and very few assets to divide. And since my discovery of the IVF collection charges a few weeks back, 
It was more important than ever to ensure I received enough money in the divorce settlement to help cover those debts. But with Ben lying about his finances, I had no choice but to pay even more money to my attorney in order for them to subpoena his bank records to see what was left. It was the stupidest thing, and I ended up paying over like 12000 14000 to divorce this man. I know. It was laughable. And Was honestly, the attorney able to freeze his assets so he wouldn't? No. He, I don't feel like he did a lot. Mm-mm. And it was constantly me emailing, hey, where's oh, things I at? Remember. Hey, what's going on? You know, I asked. I knew. I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew we didn't have 21 million, but he also had a very well-paying six-figure job. So I knew there was cash in the bank and that was our assets. And I had just found out that I owed 15, $17,000 on IVF um, because of him. So I needed at least that much. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it was just like, okay, I know you make good money. I've seen your paychecks. You know, I haven't asked you for anything. This is like my future. This is, I don't have 401k. I don't have savings. Like we should be splitting that. And I knew that any money he had, he was going to start moving it. So I didn't get it. Oh, he's basically telling my lawyer, he doesn't have any money. He basically opened up a bogus bank account that had zero money in it. Um, or, Oh, that's right. He was turning in fake financial documents trying to get his ass. Yeah. And so, and I told the lawyer, I'm like, listen, I know this is what he's going to do. He's very shady like this. I want to freeze all the bank accounts. And my lawyer was like, um, well, it's going to cost you more for, for me to fill out the paperwork and turn it in. We have to go in front of a judge and then request it from the judge. And the judge has to sign off on freezing his bank account. How about you just fucking do it? dude? Yeah. And it's a big hassle. And sure enough, that's what happened. So we, and I ended up having to pay him more to subpoena any banks that I knew that he had. And I, you know, there was the standard ones. There's a credit union, there's a couple of standard ones. So of the banks that I knew that there might be money, we did find some, but my lawyer <sighs> came back and said, you're right. He's moving stuff. This is what's left of the lump sum that was there. He's moving it all over the place. And so he's like, all we can do at this moment is just split it 50, 50, whatever's left. And then we will ask for a default judgment and hopefully the judge signs off ASAP and then you can get your money. While I was financially struggling, Ben was doing whatever the fuck he wanted. I even heard through the grapevine that he and Avery were trying to buy a house together. Oh yeah, newsflash, Avery was able to convince the court to lift her no contact order. What made you think that um, Ben and Avery were trying to buy a home? I got tipped off. Somehow when we were doing our super sleuthing, I got tipped off. And so, yeah, I had let my attorney know that. And he kept brushing me off. I was like, I know he's trying to buy a house. At least he's telling Avery because he's trying to tell her that she's the one and blah, blah, blah. He's trying to, you know, he, um, didn't you get notifications being married to him still that he was applying for home loans? I I think that's what it was. I think you were, I think you'd received an email or a ding on something that was like, have to go back because I can't it was like a remember for a home. It was like he was trying to apply for a mortgage. I think that's what it was. He was explicitly told, do not do anything with your money. Don't buy cars. Don't buy houses. Don't buy anything. You're in the middle of a divorce, dude. And sure enough, that's what he was doing. And so I tell my lawyer, um, I think he's trying to buy a house. Now what? 
well, I guess if he buys it, then you can just put a lien on it. I'm like, yeah, but maybe we should stop it before it happens. I know. It was such a waste. It was a waste uh -huh. and it wasn't a good experience. So we did, we ended up getting it signed off on. The judge was like, well, why does she need this amount of money? And I'm like, because do you even know? <laughs> do you even know what he put me through? I deserve everything I got. I know. Um, and so my lawyer just basically said, yeah, she she deserves this amount. This is for to to basically make sure she's taken care of moving forward. Um, yeah. You know, we're not asking for spousal support or anything like that. And no. they signed off. Yeah. But then what I was told is that, well, that's great and dandy. You have a, a divorce decree, but now it's up to me to get that money from Ben. So that's fun. And we'll talk about that in the future. So I wasn't going to get any money anytime soon. So I was like, yay. Okay. That's great. I guess that's a win finally, but it's a win to get that document, but then you're right. The, the, you have to take that and then you actually have to file it. And I had to do that too. Every time I won a, like, even if it was a little bit in Ben paying my attorney fees, I had to take that order. Uh, yeah. And then I had to physically start a no new case and present it to actually follow through then find somebody to withdraw the funds. It's just, you jump through so many hoops mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. pay a lot of money to jump through the hoops that you pretty much break even probably. Yeah. So but it was closure. I did not want to be married to him anymore. I was happy yes. to be done with it. Although the recent win in court against Ben felt really good. I knew that his hatred towards me gave him even more motivation to come after me in family court. And although Ben had signed off and agreed previously to our final parenting plan back in December, he decided to change his mind and file an appeal, stating that he was not mentally stable at the time he had signed the legal documents. His story was an absolute lie and complete bullshit. Had he already taken you to court a couple times at this yes. point? And he'd lost. And, and he lost. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your lawyer's telling you what, like you got this in the pan, like he's not going to get his way. This is ridiculous. She'd never said those things, but we, I think we equally felt that way because we knew that we had, you know, crossed all of our T's and daughter eyes as far as um, all of the, the parenting plan documentation and his signatures. It was all e-filed. He on his own reviewed them and signed them and dated them and turned them in. So you know, like, how do you go backwards from that? You don't see that often being overturned in court with everything it had gone through with you and the testimonies and the declarations by you and Avery and Deanna and Dion or and D. And um, so he knew like it was the right thing to do to get the help he needed. And he admitted it like, I need help. I'm fucked up. And so he agreed to do all of that, like counseling. It wasn't like I'm stealing his daughter away from him. No, I'm saying go get this really intensive in, you know, like outpatient therapy and DBT or whatever it was called. And then, um, and then you work your way towards getting her back in your life. And within, what was it? Six to eight months, you'd be right back to normal. That's, yeah. don't you think your daughter deserves I'm that? very curious to know how many he actually went to, because we know he falsified yeah. a lot of things. So we yeah. don't even really know how, how seriously he took it. I know. Was it just the minimum just to check the box? Remember he talked to the woman and told her whatever he wanted. That's right. to her. Yeah. So she never treated him for uh, the borderline personality disorder. He treated her. He, she treated him for, for PTSD, PTSD, which is garbage. 
Yeah. And fake stories. And so I called her and I very nicely said, Hey, like, um, I'm not trying to throw your patient under the bus, but there's a child involved and she's my priority. Therefore, I need you to know that I really want to feel safe with the fact that he is working towards a goal that you are helping him during your sessions and making the most out of your sessions so that he could be a better parent for our daughter once he is done with his treatment with you. But from what I'm seeing so far and what he's submitted to court is that you're only training him for PTSD. I called her, I emailed her, and then I finally said, I see that you take children as patients as well. Um, So I just need, really need you to hear me as a nine-year-old mother. Would you be willing to speak with me? And I know that you cannot violate your confidentiality and the HIPAA laws and all this, but I would really appreciate if we could have a conversation and she agreed and I called her and she in her own way said, speak, I will listen. I will answer and reply back when I can. And she was very um, respectful and she was not rude. And I could tell she was shocked and surprised without her saying those words. Mm -hmm. Um, She could tell that I was sincere and I was just a mom that really was scared for my daughter and being in her father's care. And I I really honestly thought that she interpreted that the way I wanted her to. Um, And she stopped seeing him shortly after that because he was not honest with her. No. And I said, how can you help him if you're, he's not being honest with you. Their fight towards me was the dumbest thing. It was Mm -hmm. that he was not in his sound mind when he signed off on it. And so he played the victim card of the mental health stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like he plays it when he needs to, and then he like hides it when he doesn't want it to be known. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the other thing was that he, what was it? Oh, they try to talk about um, a parenting seminar. So in Washington state, you have to do a parenting seminar when you finalize a divorce and move into a parenting plan. That is a something you have to check off the list or else your divorce in a parenting plan will not be finalized. I did it. Oh, he but didn't he, do it. He never did it. So why are they bringing that up? <laughs> they, they, and so his, his attorney was trying to claim that because this was now a revised parenting plan that I should have had to do another one. My attorney received a copy of Ben's newly submitted documents and the court gave us until July 29th to turn in our response to the judge. And once the judge had everything and by that date, she would make her ruling thereafter. I felt very confident after two denials, this judge would give Ben the third and final one. On July 26th, my birthday, and three days before our response was even due, I received a phone call from my attorney. In the end, they, this woman, she, on the third go-round, let it go through before she even had our our response. And then I, later I found out she went on vacation that Friday for a week or two and was out of work. And so she just rushed to make her decision. Wait, that was receiving. the judge? Yes. That went on vacation. So Ben and his attorney always go first. Mm-hmm. And then within a certain time frame, so many days. You respond. We respond. And so we had until July 29th. Which was a uh, Monday, correct? Which was Monday. Okay. Which was a slam dunk because we had actually had submitted so much. And this judge will always listen to all the hearings, the audio hearings, 
Uh, there's video and audio as well as all of the written information, all of the background from everything that's transpired over those three cases and sometimes prior, um, because it is a big task for them to take on to overturn a ruling of another judge. Because it's right. not, yeah. It's not done very often. It's not. Either. And so, yeah. And so um, and it was a slam dunk the first two. And it was just like, oh, thank goodness. So this shouldn't be that big of a deal. So on the 26th, to get a phone call from my attorney saying, she made her ruling and she overturned it. Okay. I know the listeners are going to freak the fuck out. How does the judge get away with that legally? I honestly, by that time, fell to pieces. It was like $23,000. Yeah. And, and now it goes back to 50-50 split. He sees her every other day, literally as if nothing happened. So all the horrible stuff he put his daughter through. It went back to the temporary parenting plan that was like submitted quickly when everything happened by a pro tem judge. And so he didn't get her right away. I mean, yeah. I don't know how anyone couldn't have a mental breakdown. And you know what? Point. Like, you know, what pisses me off is that I feel like my attorney dropped the ball too. I'm sorry, but yeah. legally, if she's a judge or not. So my, my attorney says that she submits something and is like an appeal. Like, wait, what we had until this date to respond. Like, how could you make a ruling? But then the judge never responded because the judge was on vacation for two weeks and took leave. And by the time she got back, she never responded. And then my attorney left the firm and <gasps> went to practice in a different county who couldn't represent me. So anymore. yeah. Oh, something happened. I do fight it. And I do continue on. And I do spend another $20,000 because in the end we end up spending $40,000 total to, and, and then we give up. Each summer for the past five years, me, Sydney, and Ben would go on a family vacation, and I promised her that nothing would change after the divorce. We'd go anyways. It would be our annual girls' trip. I was hoping that by the end of July and early August, we'd have good news to celebrate. While Ben did plead guilty, we received the devastating news that the judge had overturned Athena's parenting plan in family court. For the time being, Sydney still had to be monitored and Ben was granted the ability to speak with her. She didn't have her own phone, so that meant that we had to work something out to abide by the courts. I reluctantly sent him an email letting him know that we would be going to Disneyland and that I would be monitoring his phone calls with her. I also reiterated that I had changed my phone number and as such, I would be dialing star six seven before calling him on her behalf and to be sure to answer. Everything was going okay during our trip, but I could immediately tell that the door of communication was now open and Ben was going to take advantage of it. So much for that no contact order. I gave him all the information, but- It opened a can of worms, sister. Oh my gosh. That was the the little crack that he needed at the door to be open because he ran with it. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, that whole trip was like yes. messaging you and emailing you. and Oh, totally. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm going to rise above it. I'm not going to be mean. He's with Avery now. I'm glad. Go to town. I just want to move on. I want to move on in a positive way. I want to put this all behind me. I'm not going to be the mean, vengeful. Like, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to fight with him. And you met so, someone too. And I did. I started dating someone a couple months prior. Yeah. And so and it was normal. It I was normal. Going, I remember yes. laughing, going, Oh my God, you're right. Because I kept saying, yeah. I, kept, I remember like telling you one day, 
I know you're so used to these things and the crazy, but that's not normal. And one day when you're in a relationship, yeah. me also, you're going to be like, whoa, this is normal. And then I remember us laughing, going, you're telling me he's, it's just so normal. normal. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? I didn't know what to do with normal. I also didn't know how not to be love bombed. And so I remember like I had to reteach myself what was yes, normal. And absolutely. so that yeah, takes a minute. It does. So dating and, you know, I'm still with him by the way. So two and a half years later, but in the very beginning, he's very reserved. He's not love bombing me. He's not telling me he loves me on the second date. He's not saying let's get married. And so not that I was expecting that, but it, he wasn't as like affectionate and over the top mushy. And I wasn't used to that. And so I remember like, does he even like me? That's how I was with Chris. Oh, I, I was like, oh, Chris. I don't know what to do. This is weird. Like, he's not that into me. I don't think he's into me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it was that is normal, folks. Yes. I was retraining <laughs> myself to yeah. get used to a normal human being and at a normal pace and not have toxic patterns repeated. Exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. and I wasn't in a hurry to like jump into anything either. So I had just moved into my new townhouse and it was just nice. It was nice and refreshing. We would go hiking and we'd travel and we'd do all these really fun things and wine taste. And it took my mind off the chaos that summer. Yes. It I was, love that. It was I was nice. so happy for you. It gave me hope that, uh, there's more. <laughs> and so honestly, it probably yes. helped me not get sucked back into Ben because Absolutely. the minute that door got open, when we went to California, the barrage of, I love you so much. And you know what I mean? Within a couple days of our trip. And then he would seed in, like, I was just thinking about you in Sydney. And he'd start sending me pictures of me and him and Sydney and our family vacations. And it's just not right, Amber. I should be there. This is our family trip. And then it's like, I'm a bad person because I've moved on. And um, oh, for sure. I'm Especially like, if you don't respond enough time, yes. then it builds and builds. Ben was on his best behavior while we were on vacation, and I allowed him to have regular chats with Sydney. But when he proactively went and put $1,000 into my bank account without my consent, I immediately became alerted. Ben was up to something, and I was about to find out exactly what he was planning. On the way home, you get to the airport, mm -hmm. and you're checking in, and then all of a sudden you realize that your flights have been upgraded to first class, your seats have been yeah. upgraded. I was like, what, what? I mean, I have just regular old seats. Um, and I think it was the night before oh, I was okay. checking my email and it said your tickets, your, your first class tickets. And I'm like, no, I definitely didn't pay, pay for those. And he had sent a message saying, oh, I thought I just wanted to do something nice for you guys. And I thought that was really strange. And my tickets were now gone. <laughs> so I don't know if he called in and said, I'm her husband and I'm changing their tickets because mine regular bit, like regular class tickets were no longer. That's crazy. So I didn't really have an option. It's kind of crazy that they, he was allowed to do that. I know he was so, legally uh, married to maybe still, but still, no, we had just been, the divorce was finalized. Oh, gosh. Yes. The divorce had been finalized, mm -hmm. but he had called the airport, the airline and changed our seats. So my seats were no longer, so I didn't have an option, but <laughs> to take the first class and it was great, but I knew something was up. 
something. So Cindy went in first class. I've never even been in first class. Yeah. We were taking pictures like, woohoo, we're in first class. Yeah. It's great. But I knew something was up. There's an ulterior oh, motive oh, to that. Okay. Yeah. So you finally arrive back um, into Seattle and then you obviously have to bring Cindy back home to me. And I remember you calling me after you drop her off because it has to be kind of a quick thing. You need to get home. It's been a minute. It's time to get on the road. Yeah. So you start driving. I remember getting a phone call and you're like, Athena, I think I see Ben's car behind me. I think he's following me. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I'll, I'll call you back. So was he like waving at you, honking at you? I think I must actually, I think that I actually texted you after the fact because <gasps> okay. it happened so fast and I'm a zoned out driver. And so I'm on the freeway me too, me too. and, um, I, I think he was following me for a while and all of a sudden I could see something at my periphery periphery and I look over and it's Ben and he's in the truck and his windows rolled down and he's like, pull over, pull over. And I'm like, I wanted to scream, <laughs> but I was like, you're like flashbacks. <laughs> to the I was like, and I don't know if I was like swerving, like, Oh, like, what is he going to like? And I, I was like, is he going to chase me down the road and stalk me home or what do I do? And he kept saying, pull over, pull over. I'm like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm, so I'm, I unrolled my window and I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> How did you? And he's like, trying to make it seem like, oh my God, I was just driving down the road and we just both happened to be on the freeway at the same time. Oh God. He's so crazy. I and I'm that. like, no dude. I, and I actually didn't put it together yet at that point that he had stalked me because he knew when my flight was coming in, he knew exactly yeah. how long it would take for me to get to your house. I think he stayed in your neighborhood waiting yes. for me to leave. Yes. yes. He knew that I wasn't going to stay very long at your house. So he knew the timing. That's and so, so fucking crazy. It's crazy. So I think he stayed in your neighborhood. And the minute I left and got on the freeway, he stayed a safe distance behind me. And it, cause it was 50 to play it off that yes, hey, to, play it off, like, to be on the same freeway. Yes. yes. And then I look over and I'm like, oh, he's next to me. And I, I just like, I don't know what to do. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. He was kind of going on and on and on about how he, he's a big fan of yoga now and meditation and he has retrained his brain. And yeah, just like that, he's all better. New man, brand new yep. Ben. I think once your eyes get opened, you see the manipulation. And at that point I was like, oh no, I see what you're doing. You just found out that you owe me a hundred thousand dollars in our divorce settlement. Oh and yeah. And now the light bulb went off. That's where, so then I'm just sitting there going, that's great and dandy, but um, I see why you're trying to get me back because if you get me back and I fall for your BS, that means you don't have to pay me anything. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.